0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Procure Pulse, the third party services podcast that provides you with current trends, best practices, and the latest supply chain news to help you stay informed. I am your host, Mickey Meehan. I invite you to email us with questions or topics that you wish to hear covered at infoconductive.com or connect with us on LinkedIn by following Conductive or on Twitter at Conductive Inc. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Procure Pulse. Today, we're going to be exploring the importance of digital safety and security in purchase services. We've got Mike Regan, VP and head of engineering at Conductive with me here today. Mike, great to have you. Can you please uh, you know, introduce yourself for our listeners and describe a little bit of your role here at Conductive?
1: Yes, great. Great to be here, Mickey. Um, Mike Regan, head of engineering at Conductive. Again, um, I lead the engineering teams tasked with producing our fast platform, and it drives our purchase service value to hospitals and suppliers.
0: That's awesome, Mike. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. This is a topic that's kind of near and dear to a lot of uh, a lot of our customers' hearts at the moment. I think not a surprise given all the things we see in the world around ransomware attacks and you know that affect different health systems and some of which are even paying you know not to have to deal with it but you know jumping right in what are what are the most common security threats for purchase service providers and suppliers and how can users protect themselves from those threats?
1: Yeah my my initial take here is that uh, the common security threats to providers and suppliers are Also, those experienced by the larger population, Uh, these days, everyone needs to be vigilant around things like identity theft, phishing, financial schemes. It's it's only through best practices around password management, device management, and recognizing those patterns of threats that we can uh, be protected and take action. Specifically, for providers and suppliers, the privileged access to health information and facilities must be top of mind. Uh, I know HIPAA compliance is built around the chain of trust, and this requires all individuals with access be periodically trained.
0: so no, all all such such good points. And I think you know what's really interesting is obviously the landscape kind um, of shifted a lot over the last several years. I mean, for a while, it was just getting everybody to go to multi-factor authentication, um, you know as a means of protection. But now some of the 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 ways uh, people can gain access to data are so, um, hidden and, and sophisticated, what are some of the the, the biggest changes um, in the digital safety landscape that have occurred over the last few years that you've seen?
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, so, Conductive is a, a fast platform, and I've seen more and more offerings to healthcare delivered via software as a service. Um, so, this is in many ways unthinkable 10 or 15 years ago, but it's standard practice now. And certainly, in the last few years, we've seen more rapid adoption. The SaaS delivery of uh, products, but what does that mean? How is your data protected, and what processes are involved in ensuring the security and resilience of a particular service? So, in our case, Conductive, we've been SOC 2 Type 2 compliant for several years, essentially meaning that independent auditors have looked at how our systems are run, and then created a report that we can share with all of our customers and prospects. Uh, additionally, uh, integrations abound. So, you know, SaaS platforms work by you know, having access to their data, but in some cases, in many cases, accessing others' data as well. Um, and so these are interconnected through APIs or application programming interfaces. Um, and it, it lets us talk to these other systems, so we need to get appropriate permissions and um, how we can and look and share that data. Um, in other ways, uh, you know, single sign-on is something that a lot of people use uh, accessing these platforms, and it's also something that conductive, conductive offers as
0: well. Absolutely, um, you know, I think one of the things that that people are interested in or or think about in in healthcare, you know, is you know the proliferation of digital health, and you know, especially early on during the pandemic, lots of venture capital money going into a a large number of startups, which, you know, I think we all know that, um, you know, startups like to take more risks, but that can also leave uh, their customers more open to, um, you know, to potential issues such as this. So it's definitely a delicate balance in, you know, trying to balance innovation um, and, and forward progress with, you know the specific need in healthcare to have um you know tighter security so i think it's 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 really interesting how things have changed there kind of switching tracks on you you know gpos are are interesting given the kind of um you know relationship that they have with their members um and and then you know obviously with the suppliers you know how can users ensure the privacy and security of their personal information um and data um, and when I say personal, I mean their 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 health systems information and data when when working with a GPO.
1: Yeah, so GPO is the, a business agreement between two entities, and it's not unlike many other types of business transactions. Um, I would say these days most information transmitted between organizations is minimal, and you know specifically only needed for the primary function or the nature of that relationship and. And in some ways, a GPO can be a strength and a real asset here. These are, you know, pre-negotiated contracts that may have more uh, language protecting that uh, privacy and security for uh, for the users, uh, supplier, and uh, provider.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think some of the things that that we look to put in our agreements here at at Conductive and, and Premier, um, you know, we're constantly looking at what the latest and greatest. Um, measures that should be in place in these contracts to hold the suppliers uh accountable and um you know and constantly updating the templates to to reflect that um you know what just kind of uh switching gears here you know we we're all using cloud software all the time now like you mentioned Um, lots of talk now about using public wi-fi um you know when when accessing some of your third-party services um you know whether that's a software uh platform or whether it's a a way to interact with your um with your third party uh purchase service suppliers but how can you protect data in in situations like that
1: yeah yeah you've been the um well the the first way is you know when you're in a public spot um this isn't necessarily the security of the device itself but the security of you know where you are and, and just know that you're Screen is accessible to people behind you, Um, so you know being in a secure spot uh, wherever that public Wi-Fi is, or or having a you know those screen filters that you see that people use, um, that's important. Um, But when it comes to the uh, the equipment itself, using the device, you know if you're using your company or business equipment, uh, it doesn't make sense to use your company's VPN or or similar kind of always-on proxy services like Zscaler Um, these days. Most websites are, you know, HTTPS enabled, that's transport layer security. Um, But if you have a company uh, device or equipment, you know, makes sense in those cases to turn on that VPN. I would say uh, there's there's so many VPN services these days, it's not really meant to be used in a business scenario. In a business scenario, you're usually using your, your company's provided VPN, that's the way to go.
0: You know, kind of related to that, um, when we look at determining the legitimacy of a of a purchase service supplier and and their security, you know, what are some red flags to look out for?
1: Yeah, a certain amount of due diligence is required. So um, these are the common rules in transacting with any business. Um, the uh, I would say for purchase services, the bar. Uh, maybe higher, um, and because uh, there's a there's a labor component in uh, purchase services. It's um, typically not, but um, so um, you know GPO does provide pre vetted suppliers. Um, so uh, there's the advantage of you know again the contract that may take you know, more vetting, um, more consideration of things like guys uh, and performance indicators uh, when entering in that relationship. Um, so, you know, number of things to look out for, but just, you know, due diligence and, you know, use the strengths of uh, GPOs uh, when available.
0: When, when you look at these service providers, what's their role in, in taking on this, this responsibility of ensuring the security and, and privacy of their users' data? And I guess more importantly, how do, how do you hold them accountable uh, to those measures as well? Service providers
1: have um, a lot of core data, a lot of you know data around uh, uh, health, and it's I would say it's a an awesome responsibility. Um, uh, they they are kept to a high standard, um, and that's you know through uh, various legislation. This is at the state and federal levels. Um, we, we all should expect our medical records and and you know periphery uh, data to be treated confidentially and carefully. Um, you know, lately, new privacy protection laws have been ramping up um, and it introduces new protections in consumer privacy. Um, and this can be a challenge for service providers. It's already a highly regulated sector. Um, and this is you know, adding another layer of information security um, and privacy. So as these new laws change, um, they regulate you know, how and, and who has access to that information and who it can be shared with. Um, so, um, I would say that the individual uh, users, um, you know, are able to uh, more easily these days you know, step in and say, "I don't want my information to be sold." Um, um, I've seen, you know, uh, say the local dentist now uh, ask me about privacy information, um, and this is a that's, you know, dentist I've used for years, and I've, I've seen recently um, uh, the, the you know the initial heat that you get when you say you go to a new uh, dentist. Uh, but Again, this is a, a, a dental um, provider I've used for years, now asking me about my privacy information. Um, so, uh, And that's in response to uh, some of the um, state laws that have been passed around regulating this this uh, privacy and health information. So I can take action on that now as a user. It's just something to keep in mind if I don't want to have them share that even in aggregate form.
0: That's great. and and uh, I mean, those laws are constantly changing, it seems like these days. Um, so it's you know, and and all mostly in the right direction um, to help. I guess maybe to end, you know this is something that I think a lot of you know individuals and you know health systems and and organizations in general are trying to get their arms around um in terms of educating themselves on digital safety and security. Um, you know, especially while working with with third party vendors, well you know what's what's some good ways um that that we can get out there and educate ourselves, um, you know, to get better from that perspective?
1: Yeah, it starts with um, you know, the individual consumer. Um, I was um, just the other day looking at um, internet safety for for children, right? Like, yeah, as as our children grow up, I mean, how do they know how to respond to certain things that may be scams? Who do they know to trust? Um, so, you know, googled uh, internet safety. There's there's courses on Khan Academy. So, that as individual consumers, we can look at that. They might provide summaries of different state laws around you know uh, that protect us, or federal laws in some cases. Um, but uh, from a, from a company standpoint, you know, the suppliers and the service providers. Um, either they can, you know, take it on themselves. They can designate uh, staff to, to, you know, bear that responsibility, or they can partner with um, risk management companies. Um, Gartner has a magic quadrant in so many areas, but uh, risk management is one of them. Uh, companies like OneTrust and RSA, are among among others, uh, partner with companies to uh, help them uh, with their uh, security and privacy strategies and and, and how to, um, uh, maintain their data in a, a you know, trustful environment with their, uh, with consumers.
0: Well, Mike, um, this has been super helpful and insightful. I think, uh, it's a topic, like I said, is near and dear to a lot of people, uh, at this time. And so I just want to say thank you for, uh, for jumping onto the podcast with us here and, and, and talking through this topic and, you know, we're, uh, we're definitely going to keep up in this area and make sure that, you know, we at, at Conductive are making sure that all of our agreements have the uh, the latest and greatest in terms of security um, and, and uh, digital safety as that we possibly can. So thanks again for joining us and thanks again to all of you uh, for listening to Procure Pulse, uh, the Purchase Services Podcast, and have a great day.